Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, sometimes more. In this case, a whole lot more. At least eight. Yep. Well, and, yeah. <laughs> and a whole lot of crime with Kaylin and Elena. Hi there. Hi there. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah, it's been a it's been a week. Yeah? It's been a long week. I'm just reveling in the last blissful days of summer vacation. Although I've been working on school stuff. I don't yeah. know if you saw the dining room table on your way in, but I it's just not. covered in papers. <laughs> <laughs> Starting early. I am. But it has. It's been it's been a hell of a week. It's just been a long week. Yeah. So but we're here. We're here, and we're going back to Louisiana. Yep. And we got cool cases. Like I said, I'm just obsessed with my case. Yeah. I really am. It was a good one. Yeah. I want to do some really in-depth research on the whole axe murders in the United States during that time period, the tie to the case in Germany. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll There's do something a, there. We, we should do a bonus episode where you just kind of compile... <laughs> Everything. All my axe murders that yeah. I can find. And yeah. See what you think is connected, what you think isn't. And yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. That's that's a research project. Yeah, that's it gonna is. take some time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but so we're back in Louisiana. Woohoo. And we're doing a fairly recent case. Okay. And this started in 2005. Okay, like I said, because when I, you know, when we start our research, we always just put in, you know, like our state and then murders or whatever. And that's what I put in, you know, Louisiana famous murders and yours popped up a lot. So I had to keep like, just, Mm -hmm. you know, not looking because you already told me you were doing it. So So on, we had a bye week last week on our two weeks ago on Mm -hmm. our episode when I was doing the Oakland County child killer, I had found the documentary series thing on investigation discovery that I was going to watch and I still haven't. Cheryl watched it. She said it was crazy. So I should probably watch it. Yeah, and I want to watch it too. I saw Cheryl's post about it. And then, of course, like you said, you talked about it. And I was like, ooh, I, I do want to watch it. But so, so sad. Yeah, so sad. But when I went to find it on Investigation Discovery, when I ended up not watching it anyway, I had come across another documentary series. And I don't remember what it's called now. <laughs> but... It was about this case, and okay. I was like, that sounds interesting, and I know Louisiana is our next case, so I'll just pick this, Yeah, because why not? So this is the Jeff Davis 8, also sometimes known as the Jennings 8. Yes. Now, this is a series of unsolved murders of eight women in Jefferson Davis Parish, Louisiana. Okay. So this is kind of like the Long Island case where you've got a string of victims. You know, there's a serial killer involved, Mm -hmm. but they're unsolved. Exactly. Okay. So all of these women are linked. How so? We'll we'll get there. So that's okay. This is going to be really interesting. Yes. So do they all know each other? Yes. Okay. Now that's crazy. This is the first time I've ever heard. Of all the victims knowing mm-hmm. one another. That's crazy. So our first victim, her name is Loretta Lewis. Okay. She was 28 years old. She was a mother of two. Aww. And she did have some run-ins with the law when she had stolen a checkbook. Okay. And she wrote three checks out to herself. And they all equaled a total of about $500. So we're talking... Really petty, petty crime here. Yes. Okay. 
And when she was picked up by the police for it in question and everything, she claimed that those checks were payment for sex work. Okay. So there's <laughs> prostitution. We've talked about a lot. Prostitutes and sex workers mm-hmm. are very easy targets mm-hmm. because most people think they will not be missed. Like just because they are sex workers, they don't have families that love right. and care about them. And their cases are very often not, not investigated yes. as diligently. Right. Because they're sex workers mm-hmm. and it's frowned right. upon and blah, blah, blah. Well, she served 60 days in jail for this, and she was last seen on May 17th, 2005, getting into a car with a former oil worker, because in Jennings, Louisiana, it's an oil town, Okay. but the oil's dried up, so they don't really do any of that. Oh, it's just right. like an old oil town. Okay, so do they still have a refinery or anything? Or I don't know. Okay. And Jennings is a very small town. They have a population of about 10,000. So about Mountain Homes. Yeah. Okay. So she got into a car with a former, 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 wow, <laughs> words, former oil worker and he turned local drug dealer slash pimp. Um, and his name was Frankie Rashar. And they went to a motel that's very widely known in this town for drug deals, prostitution. It's kind of just like the local hub for all of the crime that happens. Okay. And there it was said that she was seen with three other people, a man named Tremaine. Mm-hmm. And a girl named Nicole and another girl named Muggy Brown. <laughs> I love these names. Muggy was not her real name. Obviously. Nickname. All of these sound like characters from a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> movie. but So you need to remember those names, though. Okay. But her body was found by a fisherman in a canal about five miles away from Jennings. How long after she disappeared? Do we know? It was Sorry. very soon. I think it was only a couple of days. Days? All right, so this wasn't one of those long, drawn-out... No, it was she? not long after okay. she was missing that she was then okay. found. And she... I have a couple of different um, accounts saying whether she was clothed or nude. Most of, most of the, the more reliable sources I mm-hmm. found say that she was clothed. Okay. And then about a month later, we have Ernest Patterson. She was 33 years old and her body was found floating in a drainage canal, Mm. partially clothed, and her throat was slashed. Oh, God. She was a mother of four. She worked at the local state university and she was last seen on June 16th, 2005. Okay. Now, it's a couple of years later before we have our next victim. And our next victim was last seen on March 6th, 2007. Her name was Christine Lopez. She was last seen... It was... So this one's a little weird because the date that she was last seen is not the date that we think she went missing because it was not abnormal for her to kind of disappear for a few days. Okay. So... Her family didn't really think anything of it. And then about a week after they hadn't heard from her, they were like, something's wrong. Okay. So they call in a missing persons report on March 18th. 
And only a few hours after they filed the missing persons report, her body is found. Oh, my God. And her body was found in a canal, Uh completely nude. But her body was too decomposed to determine a cause of death. Okay. That will be a common factor in a lot of our cases, or in a lot of our victims. Yeah, because you haven't mentioned a cause of death yet, have you? They've just Um, found the bodies? Ernest, or Ernestine, I'm sorry. I mispronounced her name the first time. Her throat was slashed. Okay. So that was her clear sign of death. Cause of death. Yes. So, but with Christine Lopez, she was just too badly decomposed that they couldn't find a cause of death. But they did say that she was for sure killed somewhere else before she was dumped, which makes sense. Also, I think it's very fishy that she had been missing for about over a week. And the day that her, she has a missing persons filed against her is the day that they find her body. So you think the killer might have kept her and then maybe, I don't know when I don't, we don't, I don't know. Okay. I do think it's really fishy that the same day that her missing persons report is filed is the same day that they find her. I don't know. I find that weird. Maybe I, 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 I have no idea. I mean, it sounds like most of these women are found fairly quickly. So yes. it seems like he's not going out of his way to hide the bodies necessarily. And uh, Christine Lopez was 21 years old. All right. Our next victim, her name is Whitney Dubois. I'm going to assume is how you say her last name. Sounds right to me. And she was 26 years old. And her cause of death was also undetermined because of her state of decomposition. Granted, it is late spring-ish. Spring, not late. It's Mm -hmm. spring-ish. It's Louisiana. It's hot. It's hot and humid. And very humid. And most of the bodies are found near water. uh, Or in water, yes. Which also speeds decomposition. Exactly. I mean, you've got a lot of factors there. Exactly. And... We don't have a... I, I didn't get a whole lot of information on her. Granted, I tried to watch this documentary on, on Investigation Discovery, and you and I talked about it a little bit before. I think I got maybe 20 minutes in, and I just couldn't do it anymore because of the fact that they started out of order. Mm-hmm. They started their series talking about Whitney Dubois, who is the fourth victim, Okay. which in my mind doesn't make sense. If you're going to do a whole series on it, like a four-part... I think it was a four-hour series... Right. Start with the first one. Go well, in order. And well, even with my article that I used for my Louisiana case, they started, I think, with the Broussard family. I can't remember. But one of the families that was also not the first victim. I think there's this feeling with true crime that you want to start in medias ray. You know, you want to jump in the middle of the action and then, you know, do the flashback to start putting pieces together. And I don't know that that's always the best approach. I don't like so, that. Yeah. Especially in cases like this where there's so many victims right start at the beginning so we get like the whole story get the build up exactly so our next victim is lasonia brown i don't know if that's actually how you pronounce her name okay but i'm hoping it is her nickname was muggy So here is Muggy Brown. She Mm -hmm. was 23 years old. She was one of the women seen at the motel with our first victim, Loretta Lewis. 
Okay. So were all of these women sex workers? We'll get there. Okay. So I didn't get, I wasn't able to get a whole lot of information on our last few victims, but we will go into more of their stories a little bit. So Muggy Brown was 23 and we'll get into her cause of death in a moment. (laughs) Our next victim is Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno. It's a very long name. Yes. And she was 24 years old and she was, I'm trying. Okay. Sorry. Okay. She was not, she was 24 (laughs) years old. Now we have the youngest of our, all of our victims, Brittany Gary, 17 years old. And our final body that we found was Nicole Guillory, who was the other woman found or seen at the motel with Loretta Lewis. With our first victim. Exactly. And she was found off uh, I-10 in 2009. All right. So we're spanning 2005 to to 2009. 2009. And there have been no victims since 2009. Correct. Not that they have put together. And it's weird to me, too, that our first victim knows the other two, but they are come so much later mm-hmm. in the chronology. So when it comes to causes of death, all of them but two have no cause of death because they were too decomposed to know. Okay. Now, the two that we have causes of death for are, of course, our second one, Marie, uh, Ernestine Patterson. Her throat was slashed. And also... Muggy Brown, her throat was also slashed. So both of them have very set causes of death. Okay. Everybody else, their decomposition was too bad, but the police suspect that they were killed by either suffocation or strangulation, some sort of asphyxiation. Why? They won't go into it. Mind you, this is still an open, unsolved right. case. So police do keep a lot to themselves now there is an author and investigative reporter his name is ethan brown and he wrote i believe it's a i believe he wrote a book but he went into some details trying to go in um talking about the missteps that the sheriff's office did and the quote i'm putting this in air quotes lost and missing evidence see i have no patience with this whole lost and missing evidence bs and also along those lines, like rape kits that have been sitting there for 50 years you know and haven't been processed either i don't understand that okay. i really truly don't now this off ethan brown has also revealed that he thinks that there are multiple suspects, so he does not believe that this is one single person. Okay, so he doesn't think it's a serial killer. No, he doesn't, but I have some other thoughts. Okay. Only because there's they they they're too connected. Okay. The people are too and connected. And we've also had several cases where we've had two people Working, murdering yeah. together and sometimes more. So in his investigative investigative work he was able to uncover the amount of connections between the victims the suspects and the police oh so in so we got some dirty business going on here so in the little bit of the docu-series that i watched 
it especially at the beginning where they're showing a bunch of different people who are related to a bunch of the different victims you can tell that one a lot of them aren't happy that they're that some that people are investigating and two there are a lot of people who say the police did it oh the police yeah a lot of people in town blame the police and they're like they did it they wanted to get these people off the streets and this was their best way to go about it Wow. So you have like a vigilante sort of thing going on with the police department. Yes. Killing people. Yes. So there was actually like a scene at the very beginning where somebody, they were filming somebody walking down the road and you hear someone else yell, who did it? And they said the police, the cops did it. Oh my God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So almost all of the victims knew each other very well. Some of them were related. Oh, my God. So Christine Lopez and Brittany Gary were cousins. Okay. Um, Brittany Gary and uh, Crystal Benoit lived together for a short time. And all of them were living in poverty, had some sort of mental illness, and all had history of drug abuse and prostitution. Okay. So we have multiple, like a whole spider web of yes. strings attaching all of these women to each other. Yes. And so the way that the, the, the city or the town of Jennings is set up is basically running right through the center of town is a set of train tracks. And on the north end of town is the like big fancy houses, all of your rich people. It's very bougie. And the moment you step onto the other side of those train tracks. The wrong the south side, side of the tracks. Exactly. It's full of poverty crime rates not very low for a small town (laughs) crime rates pretty high and especially if you imagine it compared to our small Mm -hmm. town they talked about having sometimes two to three murders a year wow but most of those are like people getting drunk they get fight they stab somebody which is still not okay but it's not like premeditated murder or a serial killer Mm -hmm. so like crimes aren't non-existent and i mean crimes here aren't non-existent but like murders in general in our town are very rare very rare um which is crazy because these last year these last like two years we've had two murders well and this latest murder which we're not going to get in today but it's insane and as soon as we ever get any information about this? Somebody released. We may the talk about it. A, we may talk about it a little bit at the end because okay, we yeah. don't have a whole lot of information, no, there's so nothing. there's not a whole lot. But crime is just not. It's not something they're not used to. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, but like I said, as soon as you step on that other side of the tracks, it's all poverty. It's all crime, drugs, everything. And you can see it because they showed a pan picture of it. Okay. It's like you can see the huge difference just from being on the other side of the tracks. It's crazy to me. Another connection with all of these women is that they all happen to serve as informants for the police about local drug trade. Okay. In the town. And they often provided police with information um, of other victims of the the Jennings Eight. So some of these women were like turning on each other and like trying to turn them into the police. Right. Which, again, sketchy. Mm -hmm. So that is also another reason on I'm sure why people think that they are very connected Mm -hmm. or that the police might be involved is because they were already all involved with the police, whether it be 
because of crimes that they had committed or like this them being informants for them and like turning each other in. Now, Christine Lopez was present when police shot and killed another drug dealer in town in 2005. And he, this man fathered a child with Whitney Dubois, Dubois uh-huh. and was the brother-in-law of our first victim, Loretta Lewis. So everybody here is so, so connected. connected. And a grand jury investigated the shooting, determined there was no probable cause for a charge of negligent homicide against the police, even though uh, the Louisiana State Police investigation into the shooting said that he was unarmed when he was shot by law enforcement. So I don't know if this is a case of the town covering up for police because they definitely, which we hear about in the news all All the the time. time. Well, again, because so many police departments self-investigate, you know, it's, it's the Fox watching the hen house or, you know, I, I, there, there are so, so many issues with, Mm -hmm. and again, I support law enforcement as well, but you know, when you love something and you want something to work, you need to be able to criticize it and, and do point out, you know, the flaws in order to correct those. And this was another reason on why a lot of people think that the police are involved is because Mm -hmm. they've already shot somebody involved with all of these people and killed them and got away with it. Mm -hmm. And even though there was the Louisiana state police who came in and was like, this isn't right. This dude was unarmed and there was no reason you should have used death deadly force. Mm -hmm against him right and there's been a definite pendulum swing i mean again i'm old and so you know i remember growing up in the 70s and the 80s even and you know back then most police departments you were not allowed to fire at a suspect who was running away from you period yeah if they were running away from you deadly force was not allowed and now it just seems like the wild wild west yeah so in December of 2008, before our final victim was found, a task force consisting of 14 federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies, which is a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, they were formed to try to solve this string of murders. And our author, he said that he was trying to expose the connections between everyone because... I think it's strange that he's, like, trying to expose everybody, but at the same time, he's like, it's not a serial killer. Right. But if he's saying it like that, then I don't know if maybe if I dug more in-depth into what he was writing, if he would be going in-depth on whether or not it was, like, multiple different police officers, maybe, saying that it's Uh it's not a serial killer because of that, or if he just thinks it's, like, random people killing each other. But I, I, I would say that the randomness, I mean... It's not j- random. <laughs> well, and based yeah. even on his investigation, mm-hmm. I can't see that he would mm-hmm. come to that conclusion. You might have, like we said, there may be multiple killers, but they too are intimately connected in some way. And even the police, the police doubt heavily that the Jennings 8 were all killed by a serial killer, which I have really, unless it was multiple people... In one agency, like the police, Mm -hmm. which at the moment, it's hard for me to determine whether I think the police are involved. But let's say they were. That would be, I think, the only way I would think that it was not a single person. 
You know what I mean? Right. I feel like they're just too closely connected. They all knew each other and it was just too much coincidence Mm -hmm. for my liking. Mm -hmm. Which also makes me think not as traditional serial killer because a serial killer usually chooses victims at random. So it does feel like there's something else going on here. And it's also that only two of them have definitive causes causes of of death. If they were all, if they all had their throat slit, then that would be something right. where they're like, it has right. to be the same yeah. person. Yeah. But they were all dumped in local canals or mm-hmm. in water. And it's just, it's too fishy for my liking. Yeah. There's something odd here. Now he also went into misconduct with the police force and stuff like that. So there were investigative reports on the task force that revealed a series of witness interviews which the law enforcement were implicated for the murders, which we've talked about. Um, There were statements from two female inmates that said suspects working with the sheriff's office, they were, that the suspects were working with the sheriff's Mm -hmm. office to dispose of evidence in a few of the cases. But the sergeant who took the statements was forced out of his job and the allegations were ignored by the rest of law enforcement. Of course. So, again, we are back into the whole jive of shitty, shitty police work. And it's just becoming too often, and it's pissing me off a lot. Mm -hmm. Because police are supposed to be there to, like, help people. Right. Not... Well, you know, you think of the to protect and serve, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's supposed to be the whole, you know, the whole reason for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And... The serve part in particular seems to be falling by the wayside in many ways. So Sheriff's Office Chief Criminal Investigator Warren Gary also had some accusations against him, saying that he purchased a truck suspected of having been used to transport at least one of the bodies for the purpose of discarding evidence. So he bought the truck knowing it was supposedly used and then like got rid of it so that they couldn't use it as evidence. Fishy. Oh, that's more than fishy. I mean, yeah. And in 2009, the sheriff ordered that every investigator working on the case um, must be swabbed for DNA in response to all of these invest or all of the accusations against not only local police, but sheriffs and other law enforcement but the office refused to comment on the results of the dna fishy fucking fishy this is this yeah there's oh so we have some suspects and Mm -hmm. there have been some people arrested so they have arrest they have arrested or issued warrants for Four people that they think are connected in this case or that they say they think are connected in this case because it's really hard to like try to defend the law enforcement involved when all of these really shady shit is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, about transparency. And again, I understand, especially, you know, when you're, when you have an ongoing investigation, there are certain things you can't reveal, but for God's sake, you better be revealing everything you can. Mm-hmm. Right. But apparent, but they're not doing but that. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I think, you know, 
anytime you're you're obviously hiding something Mm-hmm. people are going to get suspicious because exactly. why are you hiding it? Exactly. And my thing is with as much suspicion is put on police and law enforcement, why aren't they doing what they can to squash the suspicion? Mm-hmm. So like they tried with the DNA testing, but then they just made themselves more suspicious by not revealing anything. Exactly. That had to do with like, it. you know, you, you should have given a state. Well, we've exonerated everybody because we took DNA on everybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody matches. We're not doing it, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they hid everything and they won't comment on it. All right, go on. I'm getting pissed off. I was like really proud of myself. <laughs> I was like, I didn't get pissed off during my case this week. I've been, but okay. Now and I here am. we are. Yeah. So there have been either four people arrested or with warrants issued against them in connection to the case. Two of them were held on murder charges for months. Um, but they were released because they didn't have any evidence against them. So we're going to go back to a name that we've heard already, Frankie mm-hmm. Richard. He now, first of all, when <laughs> I really hope that I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, because that's the way they pronounced it in the docuseries. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Richard. <laughs> OK. <laughs> well, and we're dealing with Louisiana where you have very strong French presence. So that's where this is coming from. So I'm not sure. It's either Frankie Richard or Frankie Richard. Which Richard sounds cooler, so. Now, we already talked about him being a local drug dealer and a pimp, and he used to be an oil worker. But he also owned a local strip club. Okay. Which also kind of adds into things. Yes. And he admitted to being a crack addict, and he admitted to having sex with most of the victims. And he was um, he was one of the last ones seen with not only our first victim, Loretta Lewis, but also Kristen Lopez. And law enforcement, law enforcement's own witnesses have connected Frankie to the sheriff's office. Okay. And we are kind of unsure they haven't really announced the connection we're assuming maybe like informant because there were already informants but like what other connection would you have because he's clearly not a sheriff right you know what i mean yeah he's not legally on paper working for the sheriff's Mm -hmm. office so like there's not really a whole lot of other options there for what he could have been in connection to the sheriff's office right um, there were two, the two female inmates that we had talked about previously, and they stated that the sheriff's office disposed of evidence in the Kristen Lopez case, um, and that evidence was discarded. So like this evidence had been destroyed because Frankie asked them to, which means if they really did destroy the evidence just because he asked them to, he's got some sort of very strong connections okay. with them. He has to. Police, if they're really wanting to find this killer, which if they're involved, they don't. Uh-huh. So they wouldn't have any problem getting rid of evidence. So like maybe he would be involved with them or maybe he's like covering up for them for some reason. Maybe they're, there's more than one. Maybe it's not just the police, but there's other people like all in cahoots. Yes. To like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of shady shit happening in a very small town. Yes. <laughs> and it's very strange. Now we have... 
an, a, two other suspects. We okay. have Byron Chad Jones and Lawrence Nixon. And Lawrence Nixon is the cousin of Muggy Brown, mm-hmm. who is our fifth victim. And they were both briefly charged with second-degree murder in the Ernestine Patterson case. But, now this is going to drive you nuts. Are you ready for it? No. Are you sure? (sighs) So, we're talking about really, really, really shitty police work. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to lose it. How long do you think it took law enforcement to do any sort of testing on the crime scene? For Ernestine Patterson. I'm afraid to even hazard a guess. A week. <laughs> a year. 15 months. You. Why? Why else? Why do you think they wouldn't have done that? They're hiding something. The police are fucking hiding something. I'm not normally. I love me some conspiracies. But I really you know do. What? I mean, like, that is so. That that's like not even conspiracy theory. That's just like we're so shitty at our jobs. We don't even know what we're doing. Or they did it on purpose because they're covering their asses. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'm I love me some conspiracy theories. I really I, do. I and most do. people know this. We've talked about it with like the Kurt Cobain. I really do. Most of the time, I don't think I've ever come across a lot of conspiracies against law enforcement. Right. But this one makes it really fucking hard. Yes. How do you defend them in situations like this where they did nothing right? They didn't even, like, try. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like they, you know, just given a lot of the victims' backgrounds, mm-hmm. like they, you know, that like, and we've talked about it again, that idea, if you're a certain type of victim, eh, you kind of had it coming. You, you know what? Yeah. You live a high-risk lifestyle. This is this is just bound to happen. So, eh, what you gonna do? Yeah. 15 months. Oh, my God. To test the crime scene. You shouldn't even be waiting days. No, no. You do it immediately. Exactly. You're going to lose fucking everything. And they yes. knew that. They had to have known that. They have enough crime, whether it had, whether any of it had been, like, quote, high-profile stuff. Right. They have enough crime well, to know. Well, for God's that- sake, I mean, you and I just watch ID and, like, you know, we're, we're murder <laughs> murder nerds. We know. You know I, <laughs> and I, we haven't even been officially trained. I so. know. It's oh, 15 months. So, both Byron Chad Jones and Loris, uh, Lawrence Nixon were both released because of the 15-month wait to test the crime scene. Um, and they found that the crime scene failed to demonstrate any presence of blood. Well, gee. <laughs> you fucking think? Yeah, what a surprise. You think? Really? Really? <laughs> so... <laughs> It was, uh, uh, mm-hmm. it just makes, it makes me so mad. Well, and this also, I want to recommend to you and to all of our listeners, there's a documentary called The Thin Blue Line that everybody needs to watch. And it ties into a lot of what you're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Um, it was done by, um, oh, 
Errol, wait, Errol Morris, I believe is his name. I'll have to double check. But the documentary is called The Thin Blue Line. Look it up, find it, watch it. You'll thank me later. Okay. So I done fucked up a little bit at the beginning of this. Okay. And kind of like the police. Apparently. <laughs> so I went through our first three victims. Right. And then I just kind of started naming victims for some reason. Yes. I didn't tell you like when they disappeared or like what <laughs> no. happened. So I'm going to kind of go back. Okay. So the last one that I kind of went into was Kristen, Christine Lopez. And after Christine Lopez um, was Whitney Dubois. Dubois. She mm-hmm. was 26 and she was found on May 12th, 2007. And a passerby had noticed her naked body on the side of a very public road near a canal. And she was, she wasn't in the canal, but she was like by it. But she was the first of all of the victims to be put on dry land. Okay. And they detected a very sizable amount of like cocaine and alcohol in her system. And her family did say, which... I have a hard time. I understand that a lot of them were, they did, were drug users. They were prostitutes. They did these things. And I get that. But, um, a lot of their families, I believe, I believe it was Whitney's family specifically that was like, she shouldn't have had that much alcohol in her system because like she never drank. But I feel like in situations like this, it's kind of hard to be like, she never drank. Yeah. She, but she was snorting Coke. Yeah. So, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hard, but there was like right. a, a very sizable amount of drugs and alcohol in her system, but yeah. her d- cause of death was undetermined. And then it's about a year later when Muggy Brown is found. She was found on May 29th, 2008. Her okay. body was also found along a roadside and not in water. Um, but th- she was one of the two that her throat was found slit. Mm-hmm. And she also suffered, okay, so not only was her throat slit, but across her neck, she had seven cuts on her neck. Oh, God. And three cuts behind her right ear. Yikes. And then we've got, on September 8th, to th- sorry, September 11th, 2008, is Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno very long name, Mm -hmm. who was 24 years old and hunters had reported a foul smell in a wooded area nearby and they found her skeletal remains. The decomposition and they said uh, natural elements caused them to not be able to determine a cause of death. Okay. But they were able to determine that her remains um I'm sorry. They couldn't determine whose the remains they belonged to until November 7th. Oh, wow. But still no cause of death. Okay. So then we've got our 17-year-old Brittany Gary. She was found November 15th. This is just a couple of days after they determined the remains of Crystal Zeno. She, Brittany, disappeared on November 2nd, so about a week and a half before she was found um she was last seen alive on video at a dollar store and her body was found off a highway 
and she was able to be identified by her tattoos, but again, no cause of death. And then our last victim was Nicole Guillory, Mm -hmm. and she was 26. She was found on August 19th, 2009, and it was just... A couple of hours after she was reported missing, which is not, we've already heard that, mm-hmm. which is another thing. That's two girls that had been murdered the hours, like the same day that they had missing reports, missing persons reports filed is when their bodies are dumped and found. Which is weird. So it's like, if it is the police, they're like keeping them, they killed them, kept them somewhere. And then when they, when they... Um, a missing persons reports right. filed. They're like, shit, get rid of her. Uh-huh. So it's fishy. It's sketchy as fuck. Yeah, there's a lot here that's not adding up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was allegedly. Now, this word is weird because this is the only time w- in these articles that I had found that they had used the word allegedly mm-hmm. when it comes to who found a body. Okay. Because it says, allegedly, highway workers came across her body. All right. So, hmm. Did highway workers really come across her body, or did Mm -hmm. police find it and say highway workers came across her body? The police are fishy as fuck in this episode. They really are. So, also, like I said, drug use was big Mm -hmm. in all of the victims and where they lived. It wasn't it wasn't uncommon in the south side of Jennings for everybody to be using drugs. Yeah. And they were also in the trade of drugs and sex. They were prostitutes and they they just did their thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I mean so often, you know, sex work and uh sex work and drug abuse go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird because you the more digging you do, the more you realize that this Frankie Richard keeps coming up a lot, mm-hmm. like a lot, in in like different parts of the story. Because when we first started talking, he was the one who picked up Loretta Lewis right. when she was last seen, and he's known to be a pimp. And a drug dealer. And he owns And a... he owns the strip club. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, could this be he's punishing his quote-unquote girls for not doing what he says? Or do you know what I, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what his role in all this might be. And maybe he has some sort of a deal with the police department where he's supplying them with, you know, extracurriculars. Or there's... I don't know. I, I've got a whole novel brewing in my brain right now because there's a lot of threads here that you could easily stitch together to create a lot of different narratives. Mm-hmm. And another thing is when the town folk and friends and family, when they are asked, like, who do you think did it? It's mostly either the police mm-hmm. Or Frankie Richard. Okay. Well, and the other thing, too, I mean, you know, as we've already established, this is very much a town where you've got the haves and the Mm have-nots. They're very clearly separated. These are all from the have-not side. Of course they're going to be suspicious of the police. Mm -hmm. These are people who on a daily basis are being arrested or, you know, there are a lot of them seem to be involved in things that you wouldn't want the police to know. So some of the suspicion 
can at least be understood, I would say. You know, even if the police weren't shady and if we didn't have some of the things that you've listed here, just the nature of, you know, the two sides and what's going on here. Yeah, but then you also have the little tidbit of that he was somehow working with police and he asked for certain evidence to get erased and then it does. That is fishy as hell. Yeah, so it's, it's very strange because... And like I said, that's where I think, okay, he's definitely involved as well. Mm-hmm. He's a key player somehow in this. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, small town, we, we know all the stereotypes, but you do wonder, you know, what other connections and what else is going on in this web mm-hmm. that we don't know about. Yes. So then we hear a little bit from a man named Ricky Edwards. He was a Jefferson Davis parish sheriff from 1992 to 2002 so this was before everything had happened and let's just say anything that's named after the freaking you know president of the confederacy you know has got to be bad (laughs) so let's just start there but keep going he said that he really like has a hard time with the allegations that um that frankie was with multiple victims before they went missing and he said like on camera he was involved Quote, sorry, quote, he was involved in the last day of their lives. So what does that mean? Honestly, I'm not sure. You're a police officer. That's always the person. The last person to see them is always one of the people that you put on the list. So investigate. Oh, so carefully. Even even a former sheriff has no idea what they're doing. This town. Again. Yeah, there's something else darker and creepier going on here. Okay. I'm convinced, too. And you know me. I like conspiracy theories for fun, mm-hmm. but I don't usually buy into or believe them, as we found out on the Kurt Cobain episode. But there is something going on here. And see, like, I get the like local town folk, especially in the South Side, who mm-hmm. are very much involved in a lot of crime, why they would want to kind of go after the police for something like this. But at the same time... The police are doing themselves no favors. No favors. And statements like that? Come on. That's just creepy as... Yeah. (sighs) It's... (laughs) Okay. I officially hate your case. I know. And so there were a lot of the South Jennings residents that said that authorities have not taken any of the investigation seriously. Clearly. Mm -hmm. Like fucking obviously. Um, because the victims were poor, they had drug issues. They were perceived by police, um, as maintaining dangerous party lifestyles, which we hear far too often when it comes to, especially sex workers in general, um, who are, who do fall victim to crimes like this. We, we hear all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, they believed that the deaths would have already been solved had they been on the other side of the train tracks. No doubt. Of course. They probably wouldn't have happened had they been on the other side and of the I'm train tracks. And I'm also curious how many of these victims were people of color and... I believe... Sorry. So at least two or three of them were people of color. Okay. So... Um, and but again, I'd... not enough that you can just use the old, you know, color line exactly. story. Exactly. Now, it's just, it's, mm, this case (laughs) pissed me off. Well, I can see why, because there's a lot, like, you know, there's just, it's unanswered. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people 
apparently not doing their jobs, not doing their jobs well, doing very suspicious things. It's and, not a good case. <laughs> yeah. And there is a Jennings resident named Mary Drake. I do not remember if she is a resident of North Jennings or okay. South Jennings. So I don't really know exactly where this comes from. But she did make a statement saying um, she was asked why she, what she thought the reason was that these cases hadn't been solved yet. She said, quote, because the police don't want them solved. Because you can go out there and find nine or ten people for a murder of of one man in Lake Arthur in a couple of weeks' time. But you can't find the murderer of eight women over a certain amount of years. What does that tell you? It's self-explanatory. To not be concerned about who murdered these women and, and to give their families closure is wrong. Right, that, which I agree with 100%. 100%. It's... It's just this whole situation, the whole case is upsetting. It is. And it's fishy Mm -hmm. to say the least. Like, I don't understand how these police officers, I don't know how they like go through their daily lives. Well, it it brings back that whole thing of, you know, who watches the watchers, mm -hmm. you know, that very famous quotation about, you know, so when you have law enforcement the people you are supposed to trust to enforce the laws but who makes sure that that's what they're doing and that's what you you know we're bringing up here is just this idea that you i don't know i i think did i mention on here before watching chernobyl on hbo and the fact that everybody should watch that you and i talked about it i don't know if you mentioned it anyway if you have hbo if you have any access to hbo Watch the Chernobyl miniseries. It is brilliant. It is beautifully written. It's fantastic. But one of the questions that he, you know, that starts and ends the miniseries is, what is the price of lies? And that seems to apply hmm. so strongly to this case mm-hmm. in many, many ways. So that's, an, that's an interesting... What is the price of lies? Hmm. So if any of you would like to look up this Investigation Discovery um, docu-series, keep in mind that they do go out of order. I may try to watch it again. Cheryl has something new to watch now. (laughs) Exactly. Here you go, Cheryl. Enjoy it. Another another mini-series for you. It is called Death in the Bayou, The Jennings Eight. Okay. Um, and there's a ton of stuff on YouTube, too, mm -hmm. because like I said, when I was setting up my case, there was so much that was out there. But yeah. And another thing is the author that I spoke earlier about, he did write a book and it's called Murder in the Bayou. Okay. So, and I've heard that there's, I don't know, have you heard of the HBO series called True Detective? Yes. Apparently there is maybe some sort of links between the HBO series and this book that this author okay. wrote. Okay, at least one of this, because each season they kind of focus on something different. Oh, I haven't that, watched so. it. So yeah. there's supposed to be like some sort of maybe connection. Okay. Some people have denied it. Some people have like, there's no denying it, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, this this episode got, it was kind of just all over the place. <laughs> there was not, a, it was really hard to like keep things in order. Well, it's another crazy one. I mean, it's a tangled web. It literally. is because every, there's everybody's so connected. So it's really hard to like keep things mm-hmm. in a nice orderly fashion. Right. Um, but so I apologize for that. You did well. But while we have a little bit of time, cause yes. like, it's fine. 
we'll go ahead and talk about a little bit about our new murderer here in Mountain Home. Here in Mountain Home. This is an insane case. So first of all, he's 70 years old, which mm-hmm. I know this is stupid, but I think most of us don't think of older people. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like you're supposed to have mellowed out by then. 70 years old. The murder happened last year. Yes. They still have not announced the name of the victim. victim who apparently was listed as a missing person. So like and you can't tell me you haven't informed his family by now. They haven't found his body. Uh, supposedly the guy just admitted that he shot him four times and is claiming it was self-defense. He's claiming that the victim with whom he lived and apparently he worked was, with worked with and apparently he was like selling his cars after the guy's yeah, death. Yeah, he sold two of the dude's cars. Yeah. So, so my thing is, is with self-defense, I get self-defense is a thing. Right. But I believe, didn't he say he was coming at him with like a sledgehammer or yes, something? Yes, yes. And then he shot him four times. And why would you dump, and supposedly dump the body in the local landfill is the rumor that's going around. First of all, how'd you get a body in our dump here? That he was rolled up and took him he out there. Like, yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. It's not like he just like took the body. Well, yeah, I mean, I obviously know. it was hitting. <laughs> Clearly. Hi, I'd like to dump this dead body, please. <laughs> right. Although... Lately, that wouldn't even surprise me anymore. But because <laughs> I mean, I've been down to our dump yeah. a few times, you know. But what anyway, I mean? yeah. So that's this. That was one. And you know, who knows? It's small town people are talking. But that was one of the things I heard was that. And I don't know if they measure when you go to the dump, like how much stuff you're. They weigh you when you drive okay, in. Okay, so supposedly he went and dumped something at the dump within a few days of this guy's disappearance. I don't know what the window is. Like I said, this is all hearsay. These are all allegedly's and supposedly the weight differential with whatever vehicle he was driving matched about what this guy supposedly weighed. I feel like that's, but, but they haven't found his body. So how do they know how much he weighed? Well, because they know who he was. Oh, I guess that's true. Even though they're not releasing it, which again, wh- why, why not you, tell anybody? Why are you rele- not releasing the victim's identity? It's Wouldn't not like that it was be? A, it's not like it was a an underage. Well, and no, no, he was an adult, mm-hmm. and he was already listed as a missing person. So I guess we could do our own detective work and find out who was listed as a missing person around the same time around the same time. But again, and why wouldn't you publicize that that people who knew him? would come forward and talk to you. Like, that's a weird thing to keep secret. It is a very weird thing. And like with the whole self-defense, I don't understand how someone can claim self-defense if they hit, if they got rid of the body. Right. If it's self-defense, you call the cops exactly. and you tell them this happened. I had no choice. Well, I killed him. Exactly. Here, here you go. It there, wasn't fucking yeah. self-defense. This is another one that's crazy. There's still been no retrial Nothing. on our other murder case that on we've Scott discussed. Riggs. Nope. Um, our town is, again, when we talk about, oh, I don't want to say that out loud. I know. I, I get, but I wonder, I have many questions and concerns because again, there seems to be a lack of transparency. There's not a lot of information. And again, I understand. I understand the information has to be kept secret because it's yeah. part of your investigation. I don't understand some of the things we're talking about here don't make sense to mm-hmm. me. So, And I almost said, I... I'm sure as I've talked, you guys clearly know that I was probably about to say the shitty police work, but I would like to 
uh, slide in there that I'm not talking specifically about the Mountain Home Police, Par- Police Department because I believe both of these cases, I know for sure the Scott Riggs, but I'm assuming the, I don't even remember his name, Schultz. Is Donald his last name? Schultz. Donald I remembered Schultz. was the name. Um, I'm not 100% sure in that case, but I believe both of them have been taken over by ISP. And so I have no problem saying shitty police work to the Idaho State Police because clearly they are doing something wrong, especially if they, if it was um, talked about that because the reason for the mistrial was because of mislabeled evidence, shitty police work. But it's driving me nuts. They need to get their shit together and get these people. I just feel like in general... You know, these are the sorts of things, you know, in a local community that you need to be as transparent and open as you can be. The things that you can't release, say we can't release it because it's a part of our investigation. But this, and and again, you know, I wonder about our local newspaper and some of these things too, because there just doesn't seem to be very much, I don't know, like, investigation and explanation not of this but of a whole lot of things going on and I think this is the price you pay when you don't care about print media and you don't understand how important journalism actually is yeah sorry there's my little soapbox (laughs) moment for the episode it yeah it was a it was a rough one yeah yeah. I started out calm, but I'm no longer calm. Thanks a lot, Kaylin. <laughs> so tell us your thoughts. If you've got some great, again, we've got both of our cases dealt with a whole lot of open-endedness. So jump on our Facebook discussion page. Let us know your thoughts, your theories. Um, if you've got ideas for cases or have other things you want to talk to us about, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Correct. One of these days I'll update Twitter and Kaylin will update our Instagram because we're not so good at the social media we stuff these not. days. Um, feel free to message us on Facebook with any ideas, stories, comments that you may have. We appreciate each and every one of you who takes the time to listen and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. We're not. Okay. Also, before we end this, we do have exciting news that next week we are in New Jersey. Yes. And after New Jersey, we have some exciting news because New Jersey is our 25th state, which Woo! means we are officially halfway there. We're very excited that we've come this far. We are very excited. And it's crazy that we've come this far. I don't feel like it's been that long Mm-mm. since we started this. We should no. be. We, I don't feel like we should be 25 states I in know, yet. crazy. Crazy. Now, we have talked, we've kind of hinted a little bit about what we are doing. Do you want to, do we want to talk about it now or do we want to wait until next week? No, let's go ahead. We'll, let's go. We're going to go international, baby. We're going to go outside the United States and broaden our horizons and look at foreign murders which i'm so excited about me too too. i'm so excited i have been looking forward to this because when we first started talking or when we first started the podcast in general we had tried to figure out something to do to maybe like cut it in half a little bit to try to like separate some things take some time so it's not just like state 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 and there's like a whole lot of fun 
fun. Yeah. Fun murders <laughs> and fun <laughs> true crime things that happen, not just in the United States, but you've got a shit ton of things happening in England and that have happened in England in the past. You have a lot in Australia, maybe not as much in Australia. Oh, there's but, a lot of great ones in Australia, uh-huh. but... Um, so you've yeah. talked about Germany a lot, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that will also get mm-hmm. brought up. So there's just a lot of things that happen outside of the U.S. that I I don't think it'd be fair for us as a true crime podcast to not venture into the, the international well, waters. And, and, you know, we don't want to be ugly Americans thinking America is the only place that matters and the only place that has good murders. <laughs> we want to we spread it around. So. Exactly. So... <laughs> We are probably going to do a couple of weeks of international. We haven't really put down specifics yet. We do know we've talked about a couple of cases that we're almost for sure going yes. to cover. Um, but they things might be set up a little differently maybe. We're not 100% sure yet. We're still kind of tweaking ideas yes. on how that's going to work. But I'm really excited and I've been really Me excited too. about this for a long time. And we've tried to keep it a secret and not tell a bunch of people. That's and right. Most of the people that I've told don't listen to the podcast anyway, so they don't care. You know what so, I mean? Woo-hoo! They're, so, like, supportive from afar. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like uh, international students, right? We're taking a semester abroad, and off we'll go. So, so if you excited. have any great international murders that you think would be interesting, and we're not doing Jack the Ripper. We are not. We we're not doing, yeah, that. those great big ones. But if you have one you think we might be interested in, send it our way. And again, thanks for listening. <laughs>